0: It's the week of March 1st, 2022, and this is Remember 64. Welcome, one and all, to the inaugural episode of Remember 64, a journey through the Nintendo 64 catalog and all the fun and weirdness it had to offer. My name is David Petrangelo, and you may know me from such podcasts as Back in My Day, and I'll be your host for this adventure as well as I collect, play, study, and discuss the classic console with you and, of course, fellow nerdy guests along the way. This is going to be just a taste of what some of the episodes are going to have. They are not going to be structured the exact same way as this first pilot, a level one episode, but I will say that this is a section of what you'll probably see going forward, looking at some history of the games that we'll be playing and discussing. So I thought I'd begin the podcast on one of the most exciting and riveting topics known to any student out there. Of course, that would be history. Nintendo 64 is here get into it i kid but you know it's actually an important aspect of all our journeys and one that the gaming space probably needs a little bit more of now i'm no teacher i'm no expert but i do love the history of gaming the gaming industry and i thought we'd begin our path to the 64-bit righteousness in the early 1990s and leading to the console's launch in 1996. As the legendary quote-unquote console wars between Nintendo and Sega and their Super Nintendo and Genesis consoles raged on, a new challenger entered the space. That would be Sony. Them and the big red N were in talks to create the PlayStation, which was supposed to be a CD add-on for the SNES. But behind their backs, allegedly, Nintendo decided to flip that switch and work with Philips instead. Yes, Philips that made... CD players, makes TVs, all these different types of things over the last few decades. That gave Sony the fire under their butts that they needed to get their own thing going, what's now known as the PlayStation 1. We will touch on that a little bit later. But what does all this have to do with Nintendo and the launch in 1996? Well, once 1991 came to a close, they knew they had to at least begin to think of what console they'd create next because 16-bit was so 1989, don't you think? Well, it was in 1992 at the Consumer Electronics Show, or CES, that a 3D Mario rendering, think of the intro to Super Mario 64, picture that in your head, Silicon Graphics, some of the people at this company helped make the dinosaurs come to life in Jurassic Park, which is amazing technology that revolutionized movies. Well, they saw this demo and nearly immediately wanted to shake hands with Nintendo and move to the next step. Well, by the time the mid-90s were just a few short months away, consoles like the Jaguar were calling hardware like the Super Nintendo dated and lame. Well, after all, they had 32-bit graphics in their home boxes, so 16 was half the power? In October of 93, Sony came back into the mix saying they're now developing their PlayStation console featuring, you guessed it, 32-bit graphics. Well, what did Nintendo do in response? They came out and told the world it was working with Silicon Graphics, the people I mentioned just a moment ago, in developing what was called Project Reality, scheduled to be released in 1995. Internally, they were planning on skipping the 32-bit tech and jumping straight to the 64 era. Flash to mid-1994, Nintendo made the controversial announcement that they were going the way of the cartridge once again, familiar from their previous consoles and foregoing the emerging and more high-tech format of the compact disc. Their reason? Well, it would make the console significantly less expensive compared to competitors that were pricing their boxes at the time anywhere from $350 to $500. Well, as the so-called Dream Team worked on what was eventually known as Nintendo Ultra 64, in September of 94, production was officially underway for the iconic Super Mario 64. Just as Sega released the Sega Saturn and newcomer Sony PlayStation hit Japan's shelves. As the N64 was being developed and fine-tuned, so was the now iconic controller. According to company documents and interviews and all the history that's out there right now, there were about 100 different prototypes for the joystick alone. In May of 1995, the first official E3 Nintendo was still pushing what the SNES had to offer, and after all, Super Mario RPG was on the horizon, and if anyone hasn't played that, it's a really great game. Uh, yeah. We're getting calls about a wild party over here. Know anything about it? I didn't think so. Which one of you jokers goes by the name Mario? It's to me. Could you step outside, please? Well, it's now late 1995. At their own trade show in Japan, the final name for the console was confirmed, as, of course, Nintendo 64. Now, according to the company, the name change took place because they wanted to keep the name convention simple and consistent worldwide, unlike its previous consoles. So this is also where the first prototype of the controllers and console itself was unveiled. Two demos were also there, including Super Mario 64 and what was then called Kirby Ball 64. Also teased at the time, but without any demos available, were versions of Zelda 64, Wave Race 64, 007 GoldenEye, Star Fox 64, and about 10 other titles as well. Now we're inching much closer now to the Japanese and North American release dates of the console itself, and I don't want to bore you too too much and keep the story going too long, but there is a prototype and plan that Nintendo had many people might not know about. The release of the 64DD, a disc add-on that would snap to the bottom of the console. They weren't really CDs, instead, they were, think of them as small discs like the GameCube games wrapped in a plastic casing. Proprietary technology at its finest, don't you think? Well, the reason for the DD was to jump from 64 bits of space on games up to 128. It was at this inaugural E3 that Nintendo also announced the release dates for the N64 would now be one year later in 1996. Well, officially in Japan, the console launched on June 23rd of 1996, selling out each and every console in only 24 hours. The North American release was set for September 29th of that year and priced at just $200. That, alongside the successful marketing, the timing of the release just before the holiday season, and, well, just the fact that Nintendo had something brand spanking new to offer, the N64 was selling an estimated $5 million worth of games accessories and consoles in north america get this on a daily basis all that with only 10 games available to purchase you can zoom in zoom out change angles go anywhere you want to go do anything you want to do here we go this place is really sweet the system now in late 96 the 64 dd came back into focus at a japanese trade show alongside the rumble pack but both were scheduled to be out sometime in 97 by march of that year the 64 officially and finally hit store shelves in europe and australia Well, at the third E3 in '97, Rare was front and center for the console, showing off games like GoldenEye, a Conquer game which would end up being Conquer's Bad Fur Day, and Banjo Kazooie. Absent from this expo, the 64DD because apparently there were no games to show off for it yet. Now, by the time we get to the end of 1997. There were a ton of big-name games released for the console, many of which we'll be getting to and digging deeper into with the large catalog of games we have coming up. Now, until that time, I want to say thank you for joining me for level one of this podcast. Here's hoping to join me on my next few steps and levels through this journey of 64-bit badassery as we discover what the highs and low points of the console were and until it was discontinued in the early 2000s. I will say this, though, right up front in level one and episode one, there may be some slight detours along the way, talking about some gaming predecessors or future titles that were linked to this console and this era of games. But I want to do that so we can flesh out the story and get a well rounded experience of what the iconic Nintendo console had to offer from beginning to end. And lastly, I want Remember 64 to be entertaining, educational when it can be, and of course, fun. What I don't want it to be, though, is a solo act. I want to hear from you. I want to know what games you love, the good times you had with the N64, and what games you want to see and hear me talk about and play along the way. I'll likely be launching a Patreon over the next month or so, I will give you that, and That will likely be the best way to be a part of the show, but stay tuned. I'm just ironing out those ideas. Until then, I still want to hear all of your ideas and still want us to build a community around this amazing console. You can email me, remember64show at gmail.com and find more photos, videos, and fun collecting shenanigans that I have on Twitter and TikTok. You can find me on both of those at remember64show. That's at remember64show. Again, thank you so much for joining me for this first level one of Remember 64. And until next time, stay pixelated, my friends.